<laughs> yeah, yeah, see the timer's going now. Okay, anyway. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, sounds like it's going back to the monarchism. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's pointing back to that again. And, and to me, um, I, I don't... I guess I'd never really even thought about it until, like I said, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. It was just never something, for whatever reason, it was never really on my, my radar or whatever. But now that I have thought about it, I can certainly see it in places where maybe I just kind of passed over it before or whatever. Which again, if I, in this, when I was distracted and then you, you made a comment before I got back on my thought train, my thought was, if we understand that creation itself is hierarchical, it would make sense that in in some way, some mis mysterious, mystical way, the Trinity itself has some sort of monarchism in it, <laughs> right? I, I don't want to say hierarchy because that may not, like you said, that may not be the best word, but, but there's something there. Like the Father is the source. Um, okay, so then we go on to the Holy Spirit. And in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. Um, and this is where I mentioned earlier we had this uh, phrase that gets added to kind of combat against the Arianism that was still rampant in the, the Gothic tribes and other barbarian, I'm going to use air quotes, barbarian tribes um, on the edges of the empire. Um, and eventually makes its way in in um, and sticks in the West. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this section. Any any thoughts or ideas or questions about this? Holy Spirit? I think the book covered it really well. I remember uh, reading the, the introduction of the Orthodox Bible. Mm -hmm. I know... Uh, what father or bishop wrote the introduction of that Bible, but he's saying how when the Filioque was added in Spain, that kind of made of the Holy Spirit a more ambiguous figure because, like, here is mm. here, you like, have the Father, then the Son, the Spirit. Mm -hmm. But when you say that the Spirit proceeds both from the Father and the Son, he becomes like this ambiguous thing, yeah, in a way, it, it, yes, and it seems to. In a, in a way, it seems to elevate the Father and Son then together above the Holy Spirit, right? It creates a different, a very different sort of hierarchy. Even if we still have an understanding of the, the monarchism of, of God the Father, now the Holy Spirit is like even lower. Mm -hmm. and it, um, now, interestingly enough, this was not the big bugaboo in 1054. The biggest argument, if I, if I remember right, the biggest argument may have been about whether to have leavened or unleavened bread at communion. <laughs> so it was practical matters is what, what they're what the one of the biggest parts of the fight was. Now later generations kind of realized the how how the insertion of the filioque can create problems. How it can create this sort of um, there have been plenty of solid Orthodox thinkers who have also said yeah, but also there's a way to understand that or a way to read and find those sorts of things in Scripture. So we need to be careful. I would just, I would just say that a street-level, <laughs> plain reading 
of the filioque, of the creed, that, that statement, okay, uh, proceeds from the Father and the Son, verses, who proceeds from the Father, full stop. The plain reading of those two statements, I would suggest, leads to some differences in theology. If I could yeah, yeah. interject on this. Um, and, I mean, even today, the filioque is not uh, really the source of the division between the Catholics and the Orthodox. If you go to an Eastern Catholic mm-hmm. church, like the one that I, I was in for 10 years before I uh, came here and became fully Orthodox, we didn't say the filioque. It's the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. And a lot of scholars on both sides mm-hmm. have looked at this. And if that were the only issue, there, there'd be no division between yeah. the East and the West. Yeah. I think what it really comes down to, and, and I think what it was in 1054 also, was the issue over how far the authority of the Pope yeah. goes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can, can the Pope um, tell other bishops what to do? Can he come in and, and on his own appoint bishops for another diocese? Um, and and that's what we have problems with, not not with, not really with the language of the creed any longer. Yeah. Now, and at the same time, what the creed says is terribly important, and it and it's really, it's one thing you ought to you ought to learn and know from memory, because it it will help you to know what is Christianity, and what is not. Uh, I mean, when when the Mormons or when the Jehovah's False Witnesses come to your door, <laughs> okay. How are we different from them? We believe in this creed, and they don't. Yeah. Like, they believe Jesus is a spirit brother of Lucifer, and, and that God was once a man like we are. And we say, nope, Jesus spoke, and the world leapt into existence. All right? And, and that's, that's why the creed is so important. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, all right, there we go. Anything else on that? section um, I, I if you haven't yet I urge you to read uh, Father Tom's sections on these because he does a really good job of breaking each little bit down um, and goes into a lot more detail um, and now we come to one that Abigail you asked about right okay in one holy Catholic and apostolic church I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come so holy Catholic and apostolic church holy I hope is obvious what we mean by that, right? Holy in the sense that God is holy in the sense... Holy holy means, you know, kind of the, the root of it means set apart, right? Um, and so if, when you set something apart from daily usage, in a sense, it becomes special. And so that's kind of a way to think about what holy means and why. For example, why we have the iconostas, right? It's it's set apart. Like, what, why we even have a church building? Why our church building is holy just in the, like, in the foundational basic sense of the word is because it's set apart for this one purpose, right? That's the only purpose it's intended for. Um, and so, so in that sense, holy, but, but that's just the root of holy. I mean, if you look at then, um, and, and Father, uh, what did I, is it in Father Thomas or maybe? No, okay. Let me recommend another reading to you that just came out. It's called An Explanation of the Orthodox Faith. Is that what it's it just came out on the OCA website like two weeks ago, and it's a pretty thick book. You can get it in PDF. Um, I don't know if they're going to sell copies, but totally get the PDF. And if nothing else, it would be a handy reference. Like if you have a question about something, you can go look at that chapter. 
Um, and the chapters were one of the, the first chapter was written by Father Daniel. I think chapter 13 was written by Father Stephen. Like chapters 2 through 7 were written by Father Far, uh, Lawrence Farley. It's actually only $15 to get it printed into a book at Staples. There you go. Because David wanted to. And he was like, yeah. oh, that was really cheap. <laughs> um, it's, it, yeah. Which website is this on? It's on the OCA, OCA.org. OCA.org. Yeah. Um, I can add, I'll add a link to the catechumen, like, I think there's a bibliography page, well, so I'll add the link there. Um, so, it, it, I think it was actually Father Daniel's article. Um, he talks about, um, okay, now I'm getting confused because I read a few things last night. Anyway, someone was talking about this idea, oh, no, okay, so this was someone else, but the idea that, like, the God in the Old Testament kind of comes across as this mean old like tyrant Mm -hmm. yeah not really not not really i mean um he clearly cares for his people he goes so far as to care about the trees and their oxen right and say treat your livestock well not to mention your slaves like the the laws uh that he gives to moses like are about how to treat each other right and well and take care of each other right so um he was calling the people of Israel to be holy in the same way that he is holy, which is exactly what we are called to as well, right? We're to be holy as, as, as uh, Christ says, be holy as God the Father is holy, right? That's, that's what we're to be. That's our calling. Uh, that, uh, the the um, sermon from, or essay from St. Justin, uh, I think maybe you guys talked about it last week week or recently but the one that i read part like paraphrase in the sermon he talks about this holiness this that's that's what we're our call that is our vocation is to be holy it's a, it's a high calling but so that's what the holy is we're, we're meant to be you know meant to find our place on the iconostas catholic so catholic in this in its original sense and in this sense um means for everyone for all universal but not in the sense of universalism, in the sense of it's univer- it's for everyone, right? Um, it's um, it's not just for the Greeks or just for the Arabs or just for the Russians or the Ukrainians or the Serbs. It's for everyone. Um, uh, and I mean th- that goes right to the, the feast we just had of Peter and Paul, like where Paul had to kind of say, Peter, man, you're getting it wrong. Like we got to include the Gentiles. Remember that dream you had? <laughs> And uh, so they did. They included the Gentiles, which also gets directly to the gospel reading today, where the Lord says that there's going to be many coming from the east and the west, with the sons of the kingdom are going to be cast into outer darkness. Um, so, Catholic as in for all, and apostolic <clears throat> in the sense that the teachings that we have were the ones that Christ taught the apostles and that have been handed down handed down which just means tradition right tradition literally means handed over right that's that's what the origin of the word is do i it's like thinking of trade yeah it's trade yeah and it's, it's literally handing over like when um when he's on the cross and i think one of the readings says he uh handed passed on the spirit something like that 
I forget the it, it's tradition. Like that's it's the Greek word there is the same one that other places gets translated as tradition. Right? It's it's really it's a fascinating little bit of anyway, again, I'm just getting nerdy on that stuff. But um, so the, the apostolic tradition is this handing down generation to generation, person to person of the teachings of Christ. Now they're not all contained in the scriptures. Like the scriptures themselves say they couldn't contain all the teachings, right? Um, if, you know, if you wrote for, I can't, I can't remember the exact quote, but all the books in the world couldn't contain all this, the, the writings, right? All those teachings. And, and he spent time with the, his followers, right? Before the ascension, he, he was resurrected, he showed back up, and then he's there on and off with them. We get a few instances where he kind of shows up, has some fish, and then leaves, but the understanding is he was teaching his apostles during that time. He was teaching them in a way that they could now see the truth, whereas before they couldn't. Right? If we think about uh, the road to Emmaus, where he appears to Luke and Cleopas and starts to expand to them and open, it says to open the scriptures to them and teach them in a way that now they can begin to understand. Um, you know, whereas before it was still behind this veil, it, the, he's he's removed the veil and and handed this to them, this teaching to them, and we would say that's the same teaching we preserve. Um, I, Father Stephen used to use a metaphor of language, of grammar, for this, that if someone, especially a child or non-native English speaker, is making verb. Uh, Subject-verb disagreement. Uh, they, they get their subject-verb tenses wrong, right? We all know, we may not correct them because we're being polite or whatever, or in the case of the kid, maybe it's cute. But, but we know it's wrong. It just it sounds wrong, right? It just, it just it sounds off. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? My subject-verb agreement? I, okay. Um, he would say that's the same thing with the apostolic teaching, right? So... Although some of the bishops and priests were kind of taken in with Arius' teaching, most of them said, ooh, mm, no, that's not right. That's just not right. Um, and it's that sense of what is not right. And, and boy, to, to try and explain that to someone who's outside of the church and not a catechumen interested in coming in, sounds like we're just making it up. But I hope you can see that that's not what I'm saying. We're not making it up. This absolutely has been preserved, certainly in writings, in writing in the scripture, in commentary on the scripture, um, in in writings of the, the fathers throughout the ages, through the desert teachers, um, through you know sermons, through even just conversations. But certainly, it's been written down. But it is handed on generation to generation. Um, so, uh, one baptism for the remission of sins. There are Christian groups that would baptize more than once. Um, or would say not for the remission of sins. Or not for, exactly. Or not for the remission of sins. Um, and this, was, this became, this, this baptism became a, a sticking point as these heresies keep cropping up, is which... You know, if, if this this group over here, if the Apollinarians, decide they want to become Orthodox again, or 
maybe they were baptized in this other in the Apollinarian sect, and now they want to become Orthodox. Do we have to baptize them? I don't know. You know. And those things get decided over over time. Okay, these we have to baptize. These we can just accept with confession. Um, you know, so um, that's that's an interesting little thing that happens over time that actually is today manifests because we sometimes hear of a corrective baptism or there are certain Orthodox folks that, that, that say if you were baptized in you know the Baptist church it doesn't matter whether it was Trinitarian or not that it doesn't count um, and my own position and the position of our hierarchy is ah, that's not that's never been the tradition you can go back and find throughout the whole history of the church where we said that these who were baptized outside of the, in non-orthodox groups we don't have to rebaptize them their baptism counts it's actually the only sacrament that i can do on my own and that you can do on your own sacrament there's a lot of sacramental things but i mean specifically when we're, you know marriage baptism eucharist um, that's the one that in extreme circumstances you could baptize someone and it counts counts that, that sounds very legalistic but <laughs> I know I don't, I don't mean it to sound legalistic but like these are things that people have thought about before like you can be baptized with sand if it's an emergency in the desert a baptism with sand counts hmm. wow. now obviously a baptism with blood counts as in martyrdom like if you're not baptized but you're martyred you're baptized right I mean that counts um, so anyway uh, and then I look for the resurrection the dead and the life of the world to come amen I wanted to point make a quick point between the resurrection the dead and the life of the world to come and go back up to he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead I heard someone say one time uh, it was actually um, Steve Robinson reader Steve, right? Steve, Steve the Builder. Steve the Elder, is that what you call him? The Builder. Yeah, Steve the Builder, yeah. Um, I think it was him who kind of half-jokingly but also seriously said, when when someone asks, what does your church believe about you know the world to come or the, the second age or like the you know life at, the, the after death or you know whatever the, the, the next, that's it. That's what we can point to and say, here's what we believe. He shall come again with glory to judge the living and the king, living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. I look for the resurrection, the dead, and the life of the world to come. Can you, can we explicate that more? My, for myself, I would say I'm not comfortable with that. That's what I, that's in the creed. That's what I will, that's what I would, kind of. <laughs> I'm not comfortable going beyond that because that's not given to me really to understand. So. Um, I just wanted to point that out too. That's a nice little. I like Steve's comment on that. Like, this is what we believe about, you know. It may have been when some of that. Um, uh, it was that book series that was popular in the nineties. Oh, Left behind. Left behind. Yeah, all the Left Behind stuff and kind of all that stuff. The the, the what is that called? The uh, Rapture stuff, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Here's what we believe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, any other questions or comments about any of this? Or in general now. This online was uh, the book itself. The, the creed. Yeah, yeah. You can find the creed online. Um, is there like a specific 
Yeah, you'll find. So, th- okay, so um, there are other creeds. Historically speaking, there there are other creeds that are valid, but they just aren't integrated into the worship in the Orthodox Church. Other churches do have them. There's one called the Apostles' Creed that's integrated at times into. I know the Anglican Church. I'm not sure. Does the Catholics ever they, say the Apostles' the, Creed? The, the Catholics use it at baptism. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, yeah. Um, but this is specifically the Nicene Creed. How do you spell it? Nicene? Nicene. N-I-C-E-N-E. This was in morning prayers. Yeah. And, I mean, it would be if, you know, any booklet of the Divine Liturgy would have this in it. Um there might be minor little translation differences between the various English-speaking Orthodox groups, but I, I think you'll find much less difference in the creed than other places in in the service books. Um, that's been my experience, anyway. I was going to say, Father Daniel printed out like morning and evening prayers. Yeah, yeah. And it's in there, so if you ask him for it when he's back, I'm sure he's got a copy that he okay. could just well, hand to you. Uh, I think I have a copy is it uh, both in there? Yeah, there's that too. Uh, can I get one of those too, please? Yep, yep. I'd like one in maybe four. One what? I would like one in a hard copy. There you go. Anybody else? No? Um, any other questions or comments? I have one yeah. small uh, question. Um, so this was originally translated from Greek, yeah. right? Um, what in the original Greek text like could be kind of because translating Greek mm-hmm. uh, into English doesn't always work the best, you know? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's things lost in translation. Yeah, yeah. What are some like highlighted points in this that might may have been like I don't, I don't know, not incorrect, but you, you get what I'm. So the only thing that pops into my mind, and, and I think that's probably one, the, the, what you're pointing at there, is one of the reasons that the creed across English-speaking jurisdictions is really almost identical. As far, I, I can only think of one little place where I've seen it. like, And that what I'm thinking of, the, the different translation I saw was, uh, we say, we usually say on the third day he rose again. This one said arose again. Okay. Uh, so, you know. Um, but the one that, that comes to mind where I think maybe the English doesn't quite do justice right, is this one essence, mm-hmm. because that was a word that was heavily debated. Okay. Um, it was a word, I, if I remember, homoousis is the homoousia, word. Yeah. And it, it was, co- if I remember right, it was co-opted. It was already a word that was used, but the, the fathers of the church said, okay, that's a pretty good word. And now here's how we're going to use it very specifically to mean this. Mm. Um, and it was a way to talk about, well, how the Father and the Son were of the same light of light right. um, and have a technical word for that. Um, and that's, that's a whole you know, um, conversation, debate that, that you, could, you could look more into. And I, okay. if I remember right, that was one of the words that was, that was uh, like there was a lot of debate about using that word. Okay. Um, did you have anything to say on that one? Yeah, it, uh, another translation for it, and, and this is actually how, how the Catholic Church has gone with this in, in, the, in the most recent liturgical revision. They change it to, they say consubstantial, that, mm. that uh, the Father and the Son are consubstantial, which okay. is 
I, I don't know. I, 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 I like seeing. We'll see it as a hypostatic union. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there. I mean, there are various things that that just. I mean, your, your sense is correct. The the English doesn't quite get the word the way the Greek does. Right. Uh, like like a you know, when it, it, at, at Pascha we we say uh, bestowing life, zoin uh, karasaminos and. and the zoin is a different kind of life from bios. Right, right. It's like mm-hmm. the life of God, mm-hmm. and and so it's it's a you're you're, you're wise to, to think about what the original language was. Yeah. You know how I know about the creed? <laughs> this is embarrassing. I grew up listening to Rich Mullins. Okay. My dad yeah. loves Rich Mullins, and he has a song. Yes, yeah, so much. He has a song <laughs> called The Creed, and it's ah, a creative yeah. interpretation of the creed, but yeah. I did not even know that ah. was a like, Christian like, staple of faith statement yeah, yeah. until like three years ago, some Presbyterian friends gave us a book called, the, uh, it was it's like a study on the Apostles' Creed, uh-huh. and I started reading it, I was like, Oh, this, this is like the Rich Mullins song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's how much the Baptist Church failed me. <laughs> well, they don't say the creed, so they don't say it. Yeah, that's right. Um, one other thing I'll throw out there uh, is that you'll hear sometimes the creed referred to in a lot of places in Orthodoxy as the symbol of faith, um, which. I would say when we say symbol, we, we don't mean it in a modern kind of milk toast way. Symbol, as in like, um, well, I think actually Father Thomas says what symbol is, but it, it's it's not just a weak <laughs> representation of a thing, right? This is the faith, right? Um, and, and a lot of times you'll hear it referred to as the symbol of faith. They want, I've seen plenty of times where it, it's not called the creed. It's just called the symbol of faith. Hmm. I'm not sure. Their liturgy books may even say the symbol of faith. I may not say the creed. Isn't that the whole section in there? <clears throat> Do what? I think that's what the whole section in there is called. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So symbol of faith. Symbol of faith. Yeah, yeah. So that's just, again, just, just something good to know. Um, all right. I think we've been going on for a long time. I can't, I don't know exactly how long, but it's, uh, oh gosh, I'm sorry. Well, that, that's because I looked at the, I looked at the timer on the, the recorder and thought, I've only been going for 20 minutes. <laughs>